You're listening to the Martial Arts Business Podcast with your host, Small Dojo Big Profits author, Mike Massey. Remember to go to martialartsbusinessdaily.com slash podcasts for show notes, transcripts, links to martial arts business resources, and more. Now here's your host, Mike Massey. Hello, everyone out there in the martial arts business nation and the Small Digit Big Profits tribe. This is Mike Massey back at you with another edition of the Martial Arts Business Podcast. Now, the interview I have for you today on the podcast went long, so I'm going to be brief with this introduction. So let me tell you about the person I have on the podcast today. His name is Bill Jones. He's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under Pedro Sawyer and a longtime martial artist. He's actually been practicing martial arts for about 30 years. He's been involved in Jiu-Jitsu for about the last 12 years and uh, owns his own school. He's had his own school since 2012. Now, he has been a client of mine, a coaching client, for about 18 months, and he has experienced some pretty dramatic growth during that time. Uh, He's gone from having a great job, a really good job, uh, making close to six figures, to making enough in his school to where he could quit that job. Now, he's not making as much as he was in his day job yet in his martial arts school because he made some mistakes early on before he met me, but as you'll hear in the interview, he is where he wants to be right now, and he's very happy being there. And, uh, you know, it's all due to applying some, some very simple but very powerful martial arts business strategies in his school and uh, learning new things and taking action on those things. So I think you're going to enjoy this interview. It was a really good interview. I enjoyed doing it simply because, you know, I enjoy talking to my clients and and especially when it's someone that has, uh, you know, come to me at some point, you know, and saying, hey, you know, I got this dream of running a martial arts school full-time and teaching full-time. Can you help me? And then, uh, you know, after I've got to see them, uh, grow in their in their martial arts school and their business to the point to where they can realize that dream. It's it's uh, it's a good thing. So I uh, really think you're going to enjoy this uh, this interview. And then also in the tip of the week later on in the show after the interview is over, I'm going to talk a little bit about advertising and advertising mistakes. So I hope you'll stick around for that. All right, enough of that. Um, we're going to have a quick message. Uh, this is my podcast, and I. I do support this podcast myself through selling my own resources and materials. So you're going to hear a uh, a brief commercial message from me, and then we're going to get right into that uh, podcast interview. So stick around. Hey, school owners and martial arts instructors, are you struggling to get new students? Are your classes emptier than a Milli Vanilli comeback concert? Do you need more students? Then maybe it's time to turbocharge your martial arts marketing. Stop struggling to get new students in the door and discover how to fill your school with a never-ending supply of ready-to-sign-on-the-dotted-line students all year long. Go to MartialArtsMarketingBook.com now to find out how. That's MartialArtsMarketingBook.com, home of another profit-building resource and the Small Dojo Big Profits family of products. Go to MartialArtsMarketingBook.com right now to find out more. Hello, everyone out there in the martial arts business nation and the Small Digit Big Profits tribe. This is Mike Massey coming at you from sunny Austin, Texas, once again with another interview for the Martial Arts Business Podcast. So let me tell you who I have on the podcast today. I have with me, actually, he's one of my coaching clients. Uh, his name's Bill Jones, and uh, Bill's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under Master Pedro Sawyer. And uh, he's been training in and studying the martial arts since 1985, so pretty much for as long as I have. Uh, besides BJJ, he's also earned black belts in Shotokan Karate, in Aki Jiu-Jitsu, and in Pukalong Kung Fu. Now, Bill has been running a martial arts school since 2012, and what's interesting is he was able to quit his day job recently and go full-time. So uh, I thought after um, being with me, I think he's been with me, we've known each other for about a year and a half, right, Bill? Yeah, that sounds about right. 
Yeah, well, we've known each other on, online anyway, or, or via distance uh, coaching and what have you. But uh, I thought it'd be about time to bring Bill on the show since since uh, he started off with about what was it? You told me forty nine students a year and a half ago. Yeah, I think a year and a half ago I, w- I was around forty some. But I mean, when I first started looking your products up, I, I was probably less than thirty. If I'm being totally oh honest. wow. Okay, and you were running a full-time school at that time? No, no, that was clearly a, a part-time school. Uh, okay, part-time. Yeah. Okay, but when we when you first contacted me, you were already in your full-time location. Yes, yes. Okay, cool. All right. So, well, anyway, welcome to the show. So, so the thing is, um, Bill and I, you know, we've uh, been, you know, kind of going back and forth. Like I said, he's been one of my coaching clients. He's been a member of my of my coaching group on Facebook for a while now, and he's one of those guys that. Uh, when he once he started getting the information, he just started implementing it. And he's one of those people I kind of picked out and said, okay, if this guy keeps doing what he's doing, you know, it's not going to be too long before his school really takes off and before he's, you know, at a point in uh, in his business or place in his business that he probably really wants to be. So before we get into all that stuff, Bill, um, let's get a little background just for the sake of the listeners because I know our listeners out there, they always like to find out about the backgrounds of, sure. of the people I interview you know, because I think it kind of helps people out there when they're listening to the interviews to hear somebody who has been successful when they find out, hey, that guy's just like me or that girl's just like me. So so let me ask you, you've been training the martial arts for a while now. I know you started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, what, about a decade ago? Right, right. Yeah, about 12 years now. Okay, 12 years. Okay, so what made you decide to start teaching, and what was that, you know, the event, if there was a single event, that made you want to make the shift from being a student to becoming an instructor? Um, you know, I, I've just always loved teaching, if I'm, if I'm being honest. I, I've wanted to teach since I was in sixth grade. I, I was a, tut- a math tutor for fifth graders at that point, and, and so every every martial art I've studied since then, uh, I've gone into some sort of teaching role, you know, whether it was just a leadership program, uh, you know, I was just kind of like an assistant in, in Pukalon. I was still a teenager at the time, but you know, when I was 20, training Shotokan, I, that's actually when they started giving me my own classes to teach. Um, so it was a pretty natural thing for me that when I started learning BJJ, which I just absolutely fell in love with, that, that I knew from day one that I would want to open up my own place and do it at some point. Um, I just never expected it to be something that that could be a realistic you know day job, so to speak, um, just based on my background, which is probably similar to a lot of the other coaching clients you have you know the background of you know martial arts instructors for some reason are supposed to be poor i don 't know why that's the the prevailing thought out there, but it 's not true um, so anyway you know i started I started teaching as a blue belt in jiu jitsu. Um, and eventually opened my own place when I moved away from my, my primary BJJ instructor. Uh, I opened my own place as a purple belt, um, just kind of in a Taekwondo school, and it was more just so I didn't have a place to train. It was really more just kind of like a part-time thing. And people kept coming, and it was a very small school, so we ran out of space, and I moved into a, a CrossFit gym, which is kind of like the, the place where I was at on my own for the very first time. Um, and that was that was actually in 2010. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of just started growing from there, uh, but it, it, it kind of petered off when we got to the CrossFit gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you hit about somewhere between 30 and 50 students, and that's kind of where you sold out. Yeah, yeah, which I think is pretty typical from a lot of the people that I know who are in the business and, and uh, don't understand the business side of it. Yeah, that it is. I mean, it is really common. That's usually, typically when people approach me, if they already have something going on and they come to me for advice or for help or coaching, in 
going from part-time to full-time, that's usually about where they're at. And if they have a full-time school already, typically they're at about 70 students to 80 students. They just can't get past that. So, yeah, that's that's actually really very common. So let me ask you this, okay? So when you started your jiu-jitsu program, you might have already said this, but did you know very much about running a business at that time, or were you just kind of, you know, kind of clueless? I know you'd been in the military before. You have a military background, and I know you also have a degree in, what is it? Is it biomedical engineering? Is it something like no, that? No, I, I actually have uh, two degrees. I have one in nuclear okay. medicine technology and, and okay. one in uh, exercise physiology. Um, okay, so I knew it was something that had to do with... Yeah, with the like biotechnology or yeah, or, I like, uh, I like know, the equipment sciences. or something. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay, so so at the time you start your jujitsu program, have you you know do you know anything about being a business or running a martial arts school or not? No, I'm, I'm that you know perpetual cliche of, or I was that perpetual cliche of a guy who thought he knew what he was doing based on what his instructors did. You know, but I mean, the fact was, I, I was following the advice of people who weren't doing it professionally and. Uh, you know, so I was getting the same results as them, and yeah. and uh, you know I didn't even realize what I didn't know, um, and so of course I barely grew at all at that point. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but did you have the desire to grow bigger at that time, or was it just kind of like you were like, eh, whatever? You know, it kind of sparked in me when, when I moved out to that CrossFit gym. Um, that I was like, man, you know, this is this, I really enjoy this a lot. You know, this is something I'd like to do. People seem to enjoy training with me. You, you know, and uh, it, so yeah, I, it was something I wanted to do, but I just kind of didn't know how uh, was really where that came from. Yeah, and you know the thing is, I think with a lot of people who become martial arts instructors who are, you know, kind of do the part-time thing, they assume that it should just kind of be second nature. You know, like if I can get this many students, I should be able to get, you know, X amount of students more to be able to go full-time. And it, it never seems to work out that way. But, okay, so at this point, you're at somewhere between 30 and 50 students. You're teaching in a CrossFit. Tell me, you know, you haven't really gotten any, you know, martial arts business information, never really gone out to seek anything out. So what type of challenges were you facing back then, kind of before you started to get the lay of the land business-wise? Yeah, so, I mean, um, what I started to realize was that I had made a critical error going into a CrossFit gym, uh, number one. Mm-hmm. You know, I started looking at why, why am I not growing? And the big thing I noticed was, well, people don't come to a CrossFit gym because they want martial arts. They come to CrossFit gym because they want CrossFit. And uh, there was no no marketing, no anything like that at all for my school, except for a website which was, uh, you know, kind of poorly designed. It, it, it was professionally designed, but certainly not designed with a sales approach in mind. And, and uh, you know, so I really wasn't growing at all. And in fact, I was actually going the opposite way. So by the time I finally decided to leave the CrossFit gym, I was actually under thirty students. Um, I was looking for another place to go and uh, I had a buddy who happened to you know, have a building out here in Cuyahoga Falls and I was looking at that and at the same time I came across a, uh, another school that was opening up. It's a, it's a pretty big school. Um, it's a kickboxing school primarily and I, I walked in and it was just beautiful. It was kind of like everything you, you expect out of like a, a nice high-end high MMA school. And I asked them if they had a jiu-jitsu program, and they said no. And, and long story short, I got in with their, their owner, who owns nine other martial arts schools in the area. He's very successful. Oh, wow. And uh, so what happened there was I had an interview with him, and super nice guy, but in the nicest way possible, kind of told me, look, you, you know, you, you've got a good thing. You're kind of on the right way, because I was one of the only BJJ guys they talked to that even had a curriculum. But mm-hmm. he... 
in a really nice way, basically he said, you still don't know what you're talking about when it comes to business. So, you know, he wasn't willing to take that risk on me, which, which I don't blame him. I, you know, looking back, I wouldn't take that risk on me. So, you know, but that's what got me saying, man, you know, I, I didn't even really, cause he talked, he was talking about retention numbers and, you know, all the numbers that we're, that we're taught now to, to know, you know, and I had no idea what he was even talking about. So I started realizing at that point that I needed to get educated and, uh, that's when I picked up um, your book on rotating curriculums because he had mentioned, asked me if I had one, and I didn't even know what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, and I started to look at that, and I was like, "Oh, wow, this is great information." Um, and you know, at the end of every book, you, you seem to have like a little bonus section. I think that one was on teaching, and, and yeah, you know, I just really liked the way you wrote. So, and the the way you approach things and, and talk about being ethical in it, and uh, so that's kind of what drew me to to your materials. Yeah, it's funny and kind of sad that 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 tends to be the unique thing that people pull out of my materials. You know, they read my books and they're like, "Oh, this guy talks about being ethical. I like him." You know, so. But uh, anyway, yeah, you know, it's funny too about that rotating curriculum book because that book is it's really short. It's really like you know, if it were you know, if it were a fiction book, it would be considered be a, a novelette or something. And you know, it wasn't meant to be long. But that that little ebook I have on Amazon is the most polarizing. Uh, ebook I have out there. I have people that people either love it or they hate it. They either love it and say it's the best thing since sliced bread, or they're like, "This guy sucks. He's an asshole." And you know, they just well, go on and on. I've read. So. So, actually, I recently read some of those reviews, and I was kind of shocked at what I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Some of the guys are like, you know, all it has is a rotating curriculum. It's like, well, it's a book about rotating curriculums. You know, what do you want? I. You know, he well, gives you exactly what he says he's going to, you know, I, I don't know. I thought it was a good book. And I guess if you already know how to run a rotating curriculum, why are you buying another book on how to run a rotating curriculum? But, yeah. you know, it's it's not yeah, a complicated but, thing. I just, if you don't know what it well, is. There you go. You hit the nail on the head. It's not very complicated. The thing is, it's a revolutionary concept for somebody that, that has never heard of it. Yeah, it was huge but for me. Not, it wasn't. It wasn't very complicated, so I didn't feel like I had to give it like this long treatment or something, you know. So yeah, but who knows? People always, uh, you know, they'll pick up books, and even though it's a, a book that, you know, it costs three bucks. I, I think I'm, I'm charging like three bucks for it, and that's because that's the cheapest Amazon will let me charge for it, with while still getting the bulk of of the commission from it. You know, Amazon their commission structure is really weird. So I have it priced just about as low as I can. If I priced any lower, I wouldn't. I'd hardly get any money from it at all. But, but uh, yeah, people will pick up a book like that and spend three bucks and expect to get you know like three hundred dollars worth of information from it or something. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I think for three bucks, if you implement what it says, which which I think uh, you know is one of my things. When I decide I'm going to do something, I do it. What, the minute I implemented it, it instantly made everything easier in in the school. You know, well, and, and yeah. I think it's worth well more than three hundred dollars. But I wasn't going to say that. You know, you know I, mean, I, so, I don't want to toot my own horn. So, but since you said it, I'll say yeah, it is. It's it's worth a lot. And actually, I was introduced to that concept uh, back years and years and years ago um, by uh, let's see here, who who first? It wasn't Stephen Oliver. It was somebody else. It was Greg Silva <laughs> in a telephone conversation. I I called him because I was like, man, I'm having problems, uh, you know, with my schedule. I think I need more, add more classes. I can't add any more classes. I need more space. He's like, have you ever thought about a rotating curriculum? And I was like, what the heck is that? So he kind of, he kind of explained it to me, and it blew my mind. And uh, after we started doing it, it did make everything a lot easier. So yeah, I, um, I never would have known to even. I, I never would have considered doing something like that. It, and it's just just from the the traditional way that martial arts is taught. But uh, you know, and it, it works so perfectly with BJJ because you know we don't really have black belt moves and yellow belt moves. You know what I mean? Like 
Mm-hmm. It's just kind of taught in most schools pretty haphazardly anyway. So it, 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 that, that system of, of teaching just makes perfect sense. Create, you know, you create your little, uh, course outline and you just go through it and it's so easy, you know? Uh, yeah. It, it, you know, it's funny too, that you mentioned that because I'm not, by no means a jujitsu instructor. I, I, I went through one person's, you know, instructor certification to kind of become a coach. And then I got the master class curriculum, which, you know, a lot of people have that. And I started using it in my own classes, my adult classes to have, you know, kind of a BJJ element while I was training with other people. And, and it was fun. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I basically did it because I went, like you said, I wanted people to train with, but, um, you know, I found that taking the master class curriculum, the blue belt curriculum and breaking it up into a rotation, like a 12 week rotation, and it just worked so well. It was just so easy to do, you know, so much easier than actually creating a rotating curriculum for, for up martial arts for traditional karate. Yeah. Much, much easier. Yeah, I think so, so too. Okay, so getting back to um, how you got started with my stuff. Okay, so you found some of my Kindle books, and then you kind of dove into the rest of my training materials after that. So, yeah. is that right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I actually I found I found the Kindle book. I started with the the rotating curriculum book, and then uh, you know a buddy of mine just just completely out of uh, luck, I guess. You know, he he sent me a link to. Because I told him I was looking at this rotating curriculum thing, and he sends me a link to an article about rotating curriculums, and you know, lo and behold, it's martial arts business daily. So, uh, I and you know, and that's where I saw, oh, this guy actually coaches people, and uh, you know, I, by that time I had bought uh, your profit boosting. Uh, I apologize, I forget the exact name of the title. The profit boosting principles, and that's yeah. actually like that's actually like the end game book. A lot of people yeah. buy that. And then they can't implement it because they don't have other stuff in place. So, but yeah. So, so then you bought that book. Yeah, I bought it, and I was like, "Wow, this is great!" And I, I did recognize exactly what you just said. I said, "Some of this is a little bit beyond my ken right now, but I think this is stuff that that I should be moving toward." And uh, you know, by that time, I had found your website, and I said, "You know, I so I saw that you had the coaching program online, and I was like, you know, I, I think I'm going to do this. It, you know, relatively inexpensive. Actually, I would say very inexpensive compared to a lot of, you know." coaching programs out there and uh with good content you know and, and easy to get a hold of you you know you just post on facebook and you, you, know, you come in and answer the questions and you know other guys are there to bounce ideas off of um so i mean that's kind of how i got hooked up with you okay so and, it, and i will say you know that's probably like that facebook group a lot of people undervalue the facebook group but that's really kind of like <laughs> it's really the the least expensive way i know of to get somebody answering your questions on a daily basis that that you know kind of, that knows what they're talking about so yeah i i use uh, it i use the same type of process for my own school as a matter of fact you know i have all my parents in a facebook group i have all my uh, adult students in a facebook group and i have my instructors in a secret facebook group you know because now i can communicate with everybody instantaneously uh, and see that's smart because what you're doing there is is you're actually controlling the access people have to you while giving them what is perceived to be greater access, which it really is. I mean, they have better access to you that way. That's really smart. I mean, you know, that's uh, that's something that uh, you know people that are listening right now they should probably take heed of because that's uh, I think that's really smart. Yeah, it works real well. And yeah, then then I, I still send out emails well. and I still field some phone calls, but you know, a lot of people, you know, my schedule's on there, my my introductory process is on there. Uh, you know, a lot of things that I've developed are, are on there, and you know, for people to just kind of look over and see. And people like f- surfing Facebook, so it gives them something yeah. to do. 
Yeah, people are on Facebook all the time anyway. I've recently, you know, just kind of removed myself from Facebook except for checking in once a day, just because it's such a big time suck. I find I get I get sucked into it. Mostly sure. get sucked in. Mostly get sucked into political arguments, which is a total waste of time. But you know, it's, <laughs> it's an election year more or less. So anyway, I try to of, stay away from them. It's hard. Oh, man, you know what? Yeah, it is hard. But um, but the thing is, you know, what's interesting is I, I can remember, you know, when. When I went, I used to field all my own phone calls, and you know, when our school grew, and it got to the point to where you know, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't give people my time anymore. I had too much other things to do. I had to start delegating. And man, you talk about a bunch of pissed off parents when they couldn't like just get on the phone and talk to me. You know, when they like had to go through a gatekeeper. Man, it just made people so so mad. I think it's it's also wise that you're kind of training your parents, as it were, kind of setting the expectations for them and how how they can contact you and so forth. I think that's really smart because as your school continues to grow, which it is growing by leaps and bounds right now, I think that's going to be more and more important that you have, you know, kind of that, maybe that digital or electronic gatekeeper in place. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, okay, so let's talk about this now. So you start getting some business advice. You start getting some solid business information. Just kind of give me a picture, paint a picture for the listeners. How did all that kind of gaining an understanding of, of you know more solid business principles? How did that change your approach to running your dojo? Oh, I, I mean, how how much time do we have? <laughs> it's you know it, it blew my mind at how much I didn't even know. Um, you know, and, and that I realized that that and this partly goes back to the rotating curriculum. But getting people, you know, everybody thinks, oh, if I could just get more people in the door, it would be better. And, and I don't think that's always true. You know, I, I found, hey, you know what? When people come in the door, that's great when you only have 30 people. It's easy to, you know, implement things. You, you don't have to have intros. You can, you can just say, okay, yeah, have, have little Johnny join in class, you know, whatever. But when, when you start having 100, 150 people, it, it doesn't work quite the same way, you know, because you've already got 35 kids in class uh, who are used to, to running things a certain way, and, and you just need more processes in place. And, and so... Um, you know, the biggest thing I said was, well, let's, let's make sure that I have pretty strong processes first. And then when I start getting these people in, they'll have something to come into. Um, and, and that's taken time, but now that it's in my mind, pretty well implemented, um, you know, I've grown by 30% in the last, uh, two months, you know, since, since I moved over wow. here in June. I mean, that's huge. I went, I went from a, a hundred to, I'm at like 145. So we'll call it 45%, but, uh, that includes some people who are on trials. Um, yeah. you, you know, so, but that's a huge change. And I think it's all because now that I have people coming in the door and I have them coming into something specific, this six week, uh, program that, that I've designed, you know, they, they, they have something that, that they have goals. They they have specifics that they're coming into as opposed to just kind of throwing them to, to the wolves, so to speak, and saying, yeah, come on in and, and you know, figure it out for yourself. <laughs> yeah, that that never works. That's never good for retention. No, that's for sure, and, you know? and I mean, that's kind of what you tout the whole time is have processes, have processes, have processes. And, and you know, you, you, you give some processes, but I mean, the fact is that, that you know, as instructors and, and owners and and everybody's school is a little bit different in the, in the environment. You, you kind of have to build some of those things on your own and just be willing to try stuff out and be willing to fail. I mean, how many times did, did I come on and, and say, hey, how's this marketing piece? And finally, you know, you're like, Bill, look, you suck at, you suck at, at, at uh, <laughs> designing stuff. Just, just hire someone to design this for you. 
<laughs> and, yeah. You know, I mean, you didn't use those words. You were never that blunt. But I mean, quite honestly, every time I tried to, to design anything on my own, it was horrible. And you know, I didn't realize it was horrible until I sent it to a graphic designer and they sent it back to me. And I was like, oh, wow, mine was horrible. You know, yeah. like. <laughs> Yeah, so you, you get the before and after, then you're like, yeah. oh, wow, you know, that's that's a, that's a pretty big difference, yeah. you know. So, so yeah, it, I mean, I, I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I, no, I was really. just saying that the, those those things. I mean, there's just so many. You, you have so much stuff on there, but but um, you know, understanding that you need to have the processes in place that you know not only for people to come into, but for your instructors to to help keep everything organized. Those things are invaluable, you, you know, and. And once they're there, it's hard to develop them. It took me, you know, over a year and a half to develop them now, and I still don't think they're perfect. But once they're there, it is so easy to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now I have marketing plans. I have I have all this stuff. You know, things that you were saying to do from the very beginning. You know, develop a marketing plan. Know what you're gonna. You know, it's 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 October. I've known since july that i was going to do a halloween special you know i've known i already know what i'm going to do for black friday and and for thanksgiving you know so having those plans in place uh, makes it a lot simpler yeah and it keeps you from flying by the seat of your pants in your school because you know what's funny i don't think it's really funny it amuses me but it's not funny in the end because the results people get but what I run into quite often with martial arts instructors is I will present information to them, and then they kind of come back with this attitude like, yeah, I already know that, you know, or somebody already told me about that, I already heard that. I'm like, okay, so you already know this, you already heard about it, but you're not doing it. And if you're not doing it, you know, how do you expect to get any results if you're not implementing the information that you already have? And then in other cases, what happens is, is you know, I'll run into instructors or I'll start coaching them, and, and uh, they have a lot of disparate information from a lot of different sources, but it's not really a system. So they don't have anything that's systematized, and that's another reason why I find that, you know, instructors won't implement information that they have, because they simply don't have a roadmap for implementing it. There's nothing that's really, you know, uh, sequential, if you will. That's like, okay, do this first, then do this, then do this, and do this. So... So, you know, it's, it's like you said, just by implementing all this stuff and having it in place in your school, man, it makes things so much easier. Oh, my gosh, does it make things easier and profitable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's – and it's easier for my, my instructors. Like right now, I know that if, if I had to – if I got sick right now and I had to leave, I could call Joe, who is my assistant, and I could say, okay, Joe, you know, can you handle class tonight? You know, he, he comes in tonight anyway. I said, I know that the one, two, three, four new people who are coming in tonight – uh, would receive the exact same treatment in the exact same way, the exact same information as if I were there. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter that, that I'm not there. It matters to a certain point because people want to see me. I'm the head instructor, but but it doesn't make a difference in how they're treated. You know, they're not going to get a different treatment. Joe's not going to be like saying, oh, okay, well, you know, it's uh, here's the prices, but, you know, I'm going to cut you a deal. He knows that there is none of that. It's black and white. These are the prices. You either pay them or you don't, you know, and... and you know, that that's kind of that that's huge too. It, it makes life easy for you when you're not in the school as well. Well, yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't du- duplicate something that you that you haven't created. Right. You know, I mean, if you're running around with your entire um, you know school operation system in your head, and you're the person that's doing everything, number one, you're going to run around ninety to nothing like a chicken with your head cut off all the time because there's no way you can delegate anything to somebody else. But you know, the other thing is is that when you can't be there, everything's going to fall apart. And then the third thing is when you do have somebody else or when you want to put somebody else in a position to where, you know, you're kind of replicating yourself and, and you know, you're 
putting somebody into a you know teaching position or you know an office position or what have you, so you can kind of get some sanity back in your life when you get to the point where you can afford that. It's that's exactly the problem. That person, unless you have processes in place that are documented, there's no way that person's going to be able to duplicate what you've done. So they're going to once again fly by the seat of their pants, and you're going to end up with an inconsistent customer experience. Uh, on it in the end. So what's going to happen is is that the end user experience, the customer experience that you have, whether it's a parent or whether it's an adult student or whether it's a child for that matter, you know, those people are going to ultimately end up being disappointed at some point because they did not get the same consistent service that they got from you. Exactly. And that is a and it's a huge issue with retention. I, I have a buddy right now that I'm working with. Um, you know, he's been running a school for years, but I'm helping him kind of bring his school up. You know, to kind of, I guess you could say to implement processes, you know, he said, you know, he really said, you know, I'm investing in, in professionalism right now, which, you know, I appreciated that attitude, but, but really one of the things is, um, he, you know, he has instructors working for him and having observed what goes on in a school when he's not there, it was immediately apparent to me that he didn't have processes in place. He didn't have training that he might work with his instructors and train them on teaching class, but not on all the other stuff that goes on in the school. And when you have those types of inconsistent, uh, customer experiences. I mean, it not only does it, not only does it, it hurts your retention, but it also hurts your reputation. Man, reputation is such a big deal in the digital world. Today. Oh, it's huge. I, it's it's just it's 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 so dangerous not to have those processes in place so things are consistent throughout your operations. That you know, I, I can't see why why somebody would would not do it. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. Um, and that, in my opinion, is the number one thing. I mean, if you have the processes in place. Depending on where now, I'm fortunate enough that I'm on a like the busiest street in my area, um, mm-hmm. and in my area, rent's pretty low. So you, you know, I, the amount of marketing I have to do and the amount I have to spend is probably less than if I was in say an industrialized area where I'm kind of off the beaten track. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I I don't have to spend as much on Facebook marketing, and even when I do, you, you know, everybody comes in and has the same thing. You know, Joe knows that you know. After the person earns their white belt, you take a selfie with them, you send it to TouchNote, it automatically sends them a postcard with a picture of the selfie. You, you know what I mean? Like sweet. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean we. Nice. I, we've. You know, and th- th- that goes back to things you always talked about too. Is is you know, do more than what your opponent's doing. Yep. You know, you know, I can guarantee you that I that my school. Even even bigger than even though the the school right down the road a mile away is like ten thousand square feet, my little three thousand square foot school is doing more and giving better service than anybody else. Yeah, it's funny too because several years back I had a phone conversation with Tom Callos, and uh, Tom he kind of comes from a different school of philosophy than I do, but he's a good guy. He's very knowledgeable. Um, and that's what Tom told me, and I had to laugh because it was so funny, but it was true. It was funny because it's true. He said, you know, people He said, people in the martial arts industry do things about 70% all the time. And I just – it cracked me up because I was like, you know what? That is like the, the epitome of the martial arts industry. It's true. People do things about 70%, 100% of the time. So you know, I kind of took that to heart, and not only did, did it inspire me to do things better – in in my online business, but also when I coach people now, I tell them, I'm like, look, most people that are in the martial arts industry are really just kind of phoning it in when it comes to their business. So all you have to be is 10% better than the competition, and you're going to kill them. You're going to crush them. And and you can't be cheap. You can't be cheap. No. You know, I, I every I you know I'm not afraid to tell people my processes. Yeah, you know, I bring everybody in on a six week process now. Adults, kids, everybody, and that's mm-hmm. that's counter to, to what some very big names have suggested. And 
I, I find it very simple process to do. And, and, and uh, but every time someone signs up with the kids, they earn their white belt on their second day. I want to give them a success early, and I, but I still want to give them a goal. And so the first thing parents see are, oh, this guy knows how to teach people how to set goals. You, you know what I mean? That's the first thing they're going to do is reach a goal on their second day to get their white belt. And then they get a, a card you know, a few days later with a picture of me and their kid or whoever promoted them. It might be my, my assistant and, and their kid that they can put on the refrigerator. And on the back it says, hey, this is just you know, a way to remind you of the great job you did. And you know, you, I hope you keep this until you're a black belt. You can look back on it. You know? and, and it's like that just blows people's minds. And I mean, what parent doesn't like to receive a picture of their child? Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And and then for the adults, what I do is I send them a a copy and I don't get it on the wholesale or anything. I go to Amazon prime. I send them a copy of jujitsu of uh, Sala Ribeiro's jujitsu university. It's a $35 book. I have it. I make sure it's gift wrapped and, and, uh, you know, has a card attached to it that says, hey, thanks for joining. And, you know, I, I try to personalize it a little bit. You know, it was nice talking to you about your job as an engineer. It, you know, this book is a, is a great resource. It, you know, I, I hope you like it a lot. It, you know, and they get that just as, as a trial member. You know, that, so, That's cool. So half of what they give me goes to that. And then the other half goes to their uniform. So I'm not really making a lot of money on my trial memberships. But I tell you what, I, my my conversion rate is huge. I have like yep. 88% conversion rate on that. And I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's it, huge. And it's funny that you're saying all this because, you know, and I, I swear to you people listening out there, we didn't rehearse any of this or anything beforehand. I, you know, this is absolutely, you know, it, it, this conversation is happening absolutely naturally. But I will tell you that I didn't expect you to start talking about all the stuff that you do in your intro process, but I'm glad that you did because – you know, as I'm coaching people and I start talking to people about offers and, you know, prices and putting together packages, you know, and your godfather offer and so forth and, and people are looking at me like, but if I'm if I'm discounting that offer up front so much, you know, and you know, aren't I losing money or will I be breaking even or this and that? I'm like, No, man, you don't understand. We're looking at converting people in the lifetime value of the customer. We're looking for number one, immediate return on investment when that person joins. You know, so we want to get our conversion rates high because your return on investment is gonna happen. When they pay you that first check for that first month, you know, in their registration fee. And then, you know, that's where you're going to make your initial money back on your advertisement cost, your initial cost. And then second, the lifetime value of the customer. You know, if they're paying, let's say they're paying on average $150 a month and the average student sticks around for like six months. And that's and that's very low. I mean, you can, you know, you get your retention up to where people are sticking around yeah. for a year long. Right? Yeah, I'd say most but of mine is, I mean, stick around for two yeah, but that, I mean, you know, come on, that lifetime value right there is, that's like 900 bucks plus whatever they paid you for the registration fee, plus, you know, whatever they're paying for testing fees, plus whatever they're paying for um, special events, plus whatever they're paying for right. um, in your pro shop, you know, for all the stuff they buy. It, it's huge. It ends up being about $1,200 all told. And, you know, that makes sense, you know, from that perspective, when you know you're going to get back $1,200 when that person rolls, it makes sense to spend 50 bucks to acquire that, that, that client. You know, it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, show me, show me anywhere where you can spend fifty bucks and get back twelve hundred bucks. You know, if you could do that in the stock market, we'd all be millionaires, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so, funny. I had I had a buddy who's an investor, and you know, I was we were talking numbers, and he was like, "Man, I would invest in you any day if you were a stock." I was like, "Well, yeah. that's that's good to know." 
<laughs> well, you know, that's the other thing I tell people because people get down on the martial arts industry because they're like, no, you can't make money running a martial arts school. And, oh, it's so hard, this and that. I'm like, man, it's the best freaking job in the world. It is the best freaking job in the world and it's the best business in the world because, you know, there's a low barrier to entry to get into the business. I mean, I have started martial arts schools literally with like $500 out of pocket and then whatever I had to pay for the first and last month's rent. I mean, seriously, I've started martial arts schools with that little money and had them be profitable in like month two or month three. And the thing is, low barrier to entry, and uh, you know, it's it's the type of business that you can run, you know, very lean. Uh, you can run it by yourself, you know, or just with a you know very small staff. Um, it's a very rewarding business because you get to help people every single day that you're in your school. You get to help people. You get to work with people, reaching their goals. You get a tremendous amount of positive feedback when you care about your job and you do it right. And uh, you know, it's like you know, you get to do fun stuff for work. I mean, you know, what. How much better could it possibly be? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll go to, like, for example, I just went to a seminar this, this weekend. Um, and the, this was a, a jiu-jitsu seminar, you know, not business. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the, the guy who was supposed to be at the seminar didn't show. And oh. Yeah, right? So, you know, obviously the guy hosting the seminar gave everybody their money back. But there were a few of us black belts there. And they're like, you know, hey, do any of you mind helping me out? You know, and just show some things. And so I said, sure. You know what I mean? Cause because let's be honest, I look like the hero when I say sure, you know, because now everybody gets their money back. They essentially get a free seminar. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I said, sure, the other two guys didn't want to do it. And then by the time I'm done, not only do I look like a hero because I helped them out, but also they were like, wow, man, you look sharp. You're like doing really good. And it's like, well, I get to do this every day of my life now. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why it looks so good because I'm a professional now, you know, and it's like, you know, so, so fun. You know, I get, the point of that is just because you know I get to do what I love to do every single day. Now that means I have to do some of the things I don't want to do. I don't want to work sixty hours sometimes, but sometimes I have mm-hmm. to. You know, yeah. sometimes I'm having you know, like I'm having a Halloween party uh, next week. I'm going to have to work a lot more hours to get ready for it and and just to to do that kind of stuff. And, and you know, those things are are annoying sometimes, but it's stuff you got to do, and you got to deal with the you know, you got you got the kids that come in. You know, everybody loves to have that kid who learns real quick, but you know, you got the ones who don't learn as quick, and they're a challenge, and that's work. But mm-hmm. you know, it's still fun. You know, it's better than it, sitting at a desk shuffling papers. Oh my gosh, it's so much better than being a cog in a wheel in a corporation or something. You know, or you know, and you know, it's funny. I can I can talk at length about this, but one thing I want to point out is two things you just said. Number one, you said now I'm a professional, and that's something that. I think a lot of martial arts school owners don't own that they're like, okay, I have to be professional now. You know, this isn't just a part-time hobby. But the second thing is talking about how much fun it is. I think a lot of people out there, you know, they get it in their head. They're like, oh, if I run a commercial school, I have to teach kids. Well, number one, no, you don't have to teach kids, but it is going to be a lot harder for you. You're going to have to be a lot better marketer if you don't teach kids. And the second thing is, is that I always tell my guys, man, and, and ladies that I'm coaching, I'm like, look, you know, go ahead and teach kids teach fitness classes, offer fitness classes, whatever, and look at that part of your school like your new day job that allows you to maintain and keep this wonderful martial arts school to be able to to teach martial arts for a living and then also to be able to do whatever the heck you want to do in your adult class. Or or even this. I mean, if you don't want to teach kids, that's fine. But I'm willing to bet that if you've been teaching for any length of time, you have someone that wants to teach kids. And and if they Mm -hmm. they, or wouldn't mind, and they wouldn't mind making a couple extra bucks. So if you're willing to pay somebody to help you, if you're willing to put your trust in somebody else, I'm willing mm-hmm. to bet 
that your kid's program can grow with your guidance as you as you train somebody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's true. You shouldn't take a brand new beginner and do it, but you, you know, no. if you have someone who's been training with you for a year or two years, and you know, maybe they're a mid level rank underneath you, whatever that is, whether it's a you know a blue belt in karate or a blue belt in jujitsu, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. there's going to be someone who's interested. And if yeah, you say, if you say I'll pay you thirteen, fourteen bucks an hour, people are going to jump at that. Oh yeah, they will jump at it. And it, here's the thing, though, is that you know it's not hard to learn to love teaching kids, though, because it, oh, it's, it's not. Like, it's getting paid to play. I mean, who who doesn't want to do that? You know, I think I, I don't know. I think people just need to get off their high horse about teaching kids. You know, and and quit spending so much time on martial arts forums where people are talking about McDojos all the time. It's yeah, just ridiculous. That'll, that'll, that'll okay, be crazy. <laughs> it will. It's it, don't spend your time there. You know, it'll just drive you nuts. Okay, so so let's talk and get back to where I was going with that. So you started implementing all this business information in your dojo. What I want to know is, after you start implementing all that information, how soon did you start to see growth in your school? Oh, immediately. I mean, immediately. You know, we. I'm, I'm trying trying to remember the date. I should have I should have looked this up. I apologize. But I want to say it was last year, around the beginning of the year. Um, so what would that have been? 2014, early 2014, maybe that uh, you and I hooked up, and and uh, you know I think one of the first things I did was I had you get you build a website for me. So you know I had a professional website, and that helped a lot. And, you know, but I mean, just immediately people notice things. They they take notice of them. They start talking about it more. You know, nobody wants to talk about their school and their martial arts school if it's like a, a a basement, you, you know. So, when things are nice and they look nice, that's when people don't mind talking about it. They don't mind sharing your pictures on social media. They don't mind, you know, they don't mind doing those things anymore because it looks nice, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, they they'll talk about it maybe, but they're not going to bring your friend. You know, it's kind of like you know when you first start dating and you have that girlfriend you don't quite want mom and dad to know about. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you know, you like her, but. <laughs> you know, she, like she's she's not one you're going to take. Yeah, home to see so so yeah. you know the, when you become more professional, the school come become you know school starts looking nicer. You know the the, the it just kind of explodes that way, and I mean it's snowballing now. I mean it, it's just it's on its own. I, I you know I was telling you before the podcast started, I actually have to uh, slow down a little bit because I'm going on vacation. I, I missed time my vacation in to, at the end of October, so I'm actually slowing down on my marketing. But I've still got. This entire week, I've got no less than two. Today, I have one, four people coming in that are new, and I'm looking right at my schedule. Tomorrow, I've got two. Wednesday, I've got three. And Thursday, we have one. You, you know, so, I mean, I have a line out the door. You know, so, and I am in an area, for anybody who's wondering, I, I'm in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Look up the demographics on your own. The demographic here is about $35,000 per year. It, you know, it's... I used to think, oh well, you know, so and so is able to do well because they're in a nice, super nice area, or, or you know, this, that. Those are excuses. Get them out of your head. Yep. Yeah, and people make excuses all the time because, yeah, yeah, I've heard it so many times where somebody's like, oh, my town is different. I'm like, no, your town is not different. You're just, <laughs> you're just not marketing your school right or something. There's something going on in your school, the way you're running your school, the way you're presenting it that's just, you've got to disconnect with your local audience. And, and that's, you know, to try to get that across to somebody sometimes is difficult. You know, it's like the story I tell about the client I once had who, um, he had a, a guy come in and flew into his school uh, because he was paying a a lot of money, like you know, eight hundred thousand bucks a month for this 
license for this program that he was teaching in his school. So the head guy comes into his school, and, and he's supposed to be this big uh, you know, martial arts consulting guy and uh, spends three days with him driving around and, and trying to help him stir up business. And at the end of the three days, the guy goes, well, your town's weird. I can't help you. Sorry. No. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, and it, I mean, and, and what's sad is the guy ended up shutting down his school. And, you know, it's just I tried to help the guy and I just I couldn't help him because he already knew everything. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm like, that's that's where your problem is. You already know everything. You know, you need to just, you know, sit down, shut up, listen to what somebody tells you and just do it. You know, just do what they tell you, no matter how crazy you think it is. It's like I, I'll tell guys, you know, I had a guy that was struggling in his jiu-jitsu school, and I was trying to help him save it, and uh, I think he ended up doing pretty well, actually, but I actually gave him a little bit of free coaching because, you know, he had been a client before, and I didn't want to see his school go under. He was facing some difficulties and so forth. So I told him, I said, look, man, I said, you know, the thing is I can show you a million different ways to get business, but it's going to take you a while to get all these systems in place. So right now you need immediate business. So you need to go out and VIP some people. And he's like, what does that mean? I'm, I'm like, well, it means you're going to go out and actually talk to people and invite them to your school personally. And he was just like shocked, like, oh, my gosh, I can't do that. I said, well, here's, here's another thing, too. And this is, <laughs> this is a free tip for anybody out there, out there who's listening to the podcast today. You know, here's your tip of the week right here. Um, I told him, I said, get some T-shirts printed up, just some black T-shirts with big white letters, just like the Got Milk ad. And instead of saying Got Milk, put, like, Got Jiu-Jitsu on or something. You've seen those? those yeah, yeah. You know what else is big now? But, that, wait, uh, wait. Straight me, out of. Oh, straight out of. Straight out of would be another one, okay? Yeah. But the thing is, is what I told him to do is I said, use the same font and everything, but instead of that, say free jujitsu lessons and then on the and then underneath it in small letters ask me how and put it on the front and back of that t shirt and just wear that t shirt all day long no matter where you go in your town. That's nice. And and I, I'm like, you know, people are going to ask you about it. It's just a, it's a natural conversation starter. It makes it easy for you to invite people to a free month of classes at your school. And, you know, I know people get embarrassed about stuff like that. They're like, oh, that's marketing. It's over the top. It's not my personality, whatever. You know what? Screw it, man. Make it your personality because your business is failing. You know, just freaking do it. Just shut up and do it. And, you know, the guy did it for a while and it worked for him, you know. So, so the thing is, all I'm saying is, is that uh, you know, if if people will just, you know, stop thinking that they know everything and just listen to somebody else and let somebody else coach them and be coachable and teachable, you know, they get the same results like Bill is getting right now. So, let me ask you this, because you went from, and I, and I don't want to get off topic, which is what I'm trying to get back on. So, you go from about 50 students to about 150 students, roughly in a year, year and a half's time. Now. He, you know, after doing that, which, by the way, congratulations, but after Thanks. doing that, how, how has that changed your life, both from a financial perspective and then also from a lifestyle perspective? Yeah, so, so from a financial perspective, it really hasn't changed my life yet. You, you know, I, I – your job. Yeah, well, that, that is big, right? I quit my job, um, which I was, an, I was an engineer, so I was making, uh, you know, pretty close to six figures. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I'm not making that again yet. My school is definitely making that. My school is grossing about ten thousand a month, but um, you know, it's definitely on the upward swing, and it should be doing more than that. Like, you know, it's kind of like what we were talking about before—the mistakes I was making before I was a professional that that are coming back, and I'm having to just cope with now. You know, I have to accept, yeah. simply accept that I made those mistakes and move on. So you know, weren't charging enough. No, nowhere near enough. Yeah. You know, I and. Yeah. And that's well, like one of the first things that, that we talked about as well. You know, I, I keep saying everything's the first thing, but you know, so much came at me at one time. I felt like I was flooded with information, and, and uh, you know, I, I was charging like 
I think 60 bucks when I, when I was doing this. And this was for like three days a week of jujitsu like classes nine, from a black belt. You know what I mean? Like, you know, charging like rates from like, you're charging rates from like 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, and, and it just wasn't enough period. I mean, you, I can't say it any differently than that. It just isn't enough. I, I don't even think a hundred dollars a month is enough, you, you know? I, no. And I think that I'm still very fairly priced and that I do a seven month and a 12 month plan and seven months is 149, 12 months is uh, 125. So it's discounted by you know, about a free month for, for 12 months. And that's it. That's all. First two, yeah. first two pay full price. Everybody else is free. So that's how I run my, my uh, family program. Um, you know, as opposed to, it, I, I just find it very easy to do it that way, you know, as opposed to, you know, kind of discounting everybody by X percent each time. Um, yeah. you know, cause, and I use, oh, that's the other thing I used to do. I used to do like $60 a month and like 120 was the family program. That was everybody, an entire family. I have guys who are literally families of four who are training with me right now that are paying $120 a month. And, and you know, that's fine. I love them. They're, they're very loyal to me. And mm-hmm. and uh, I'm happy to have them, but you know that costs me. So uh, you know, yeah. at, at 150 students, I, I should I should be making uh, you know 100 about 20 grand. Yeah, I should, should be, be making 20 be grand a month. And, you should be grossing about 20 grand a month. Yeah, yeah and, and but, I'm not. But that's because but of mistakes still, I made before. But now that you have these processes in place, your school is growing. You're bringing in new people all the time. What's going to happen is over the next year, what you're going to see is you're going to see this kind of upward curve in what your school is grossing, what your school's bringing in, and it's going to be this long gradual curve. And then suddenly, you know, a year from now, you're going to look at your numbers and you're going to be like, "Wow, I'm making twice as much as I was making last year." Yep. I mean, I'm already starting to see it. I mean, as I, as I grow, you know, every single month, it's it's like a huge it's like a huge increase, you know, because people mm-hmm. join, and then the next month you get you know their billing start. And all of a sudden, bam! You know, there's you know this huge increase. So, so uh, you know, it works out. But those are just because of mistakes I made in the past. You know, and I just mm-hmm. accept that. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to, con- to to convince the wife that that's why it is the way it is. But when, <laughs> once she sees the 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 paycheck increase, she'll be okay too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is that you know it takes time to build a business, and your business is on the upswing now. That's for sure. I mean, you've grown quite a bit over the last year. So, just the fact you're at the point. I mean, when you got to the point, I remember you were talking about in the group, and you were like, "Oh man, you know, I'm I'm trying to decide whether or not I should quit my job and and so forth." And I remember when you posted that you that you told your boss that you gave your boss your your two weeks notice or whatever, and how happy you were that day. You know, it was like, "Oh, this tremendous weight was lifted off you." And then what the other thing I remember is. Like two weeks later, you know, from the time you quit your job to like, you know, a week or two weeks later, you had already started seeing results in how many new students you were getting. Yeah, I mean, doing that alone, quitting your job alone, you focus everything on what you're doing. And if you love it, like I I literally enjoy the business side of it. I I think Mm -hmm. that that's another thing that you know, learning about the business helped me was I said, Hey, you know, I, I like see it as a challenge. It's fun for me. It's like, how many new people can I get in the door this month? You know, I, I see that as a challenge. Um, you know, but if you're finding that you hate that, then you probably don't need to be running a school. You know, if, if you hate, yeah. hate that, that grind every single month and, and all that, you, you're, you're, you're in the wrong business, you know, stay part-time. Yeah, and you know it's funny because my my oldest friend in the martial arts, Tom Whitaker, who I just had on the podcast a couple episodes back, um, one thing Tom said when we were down, and you know Tom's running a you know he's running a bustling school right now with his wife. He and his wife are like a machine in building their school. It's just you know they're they're quite the team. But uh, one thing he said was 
he said, you know, tell me like another business, another small business that you can run where if you don't make a sale a day, you can stay in business. He's like, there, there is none. There's no other business where a person will run that business and not expect to make at least one sale a day. Yeah. He's like, so why is it we in the martial arts industry think that we can go like an entire week or two weeks and not make a single sale, like not enroll a single new student? He's like, you can't. You can't grow your school that way. And, and I said, well, yeah, I agree with you. You know, it's true. And another thing he told me was he said that uh, at the size the school is now, which he runs a bigger school than I'm comfortable running, which is fine. You know, that's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's doing well at it. But his school is about three. 300 students now, 300, 350, I forget. But uh, he said at that level, in order to maintain that level of school that he has, that that level of enrollment, he has to do about five intros, like set five intro appointments every single day of the week, Uh, like Monday through Friday, basically. He has to set five intro appointments. And uh, that's the numbers that he has to hit. Now, think about that, because he lives in a relatively small town. I mean, he lives in Collinsville, Illinois. You know, that's around the place where, where, you know, we both grew up. And uh, it's not a big town. You know, it's around St. Louis, but the thing is, is that town itself is not very big. But yet he and his wife were able to go out and get enough leads to be able to set five intro appointments every single freaking day. You know, so and, and there are people that are out there. They're like, I can't, they, they can't set five appointments a week. I'm like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah, <laughs> what, I mean, you're not doing. I don't know. How, I don't with with Facebook. I'm going to be honest. Facebook marketing has been huge for me. And anybody who doesn't know how to do so it, easy. or yeah, it's super easy. Anybody who, so who easy. wants help on it, I, I will be happy to help you. I I think you actually put together a, a piece on that though, didn't you? Yeah, it's I, in your marketing you know, book. I've, in the marketing, I, I put together a piece on just a basic piece on how to set up a basic Facebook marketing campaign. It's actually it's in that la- that latest marketing uh, uh, the update of the marketing um, uh, course that I have at martialartsmarketingbook.com. Shameless plug, right? It's my podcast. I can do that. Damn it! But uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is that yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's it's just it's not that hard, you know. Y- Facebook makes it so easy. I, honestly, Google AdWords, even with AdWords Express, for a lot of people, that's a little bit overwhelming. It is worth it for someone if if uh, if you can get your hands on a good AdWords professional that will work for you relatively inexpensively to have somebody, an AdWords professional, go in and set up your AdWords campaigns. It's worth it for you just in the money you'll spend down the road and getting a cheaper cost per click. But for Facebook, you don't have to, man. Anybody can go on Facebook. You can Google how to run Facebook ads. And come up with a half a dozen good articles that will take you through it step by step with half yeah. a dozen tutorials. And it's so freaking easy. And, man, that is where the business is right Yeah, now. and I'm mainly using – I mean everybody's on Facebook. Uh, you know, the younger kids aren't using it as much right now. But, uh, you know, they're, but they're you're not, not selling to them anyway. You're selling to their parents. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just boosting posts. And what I'll do is I'll – if I know I have an ad coming up. So, for example, I have a Halloween ad coming up. So right now what I'm doing is I, I have spent – and it's just 10 bucks each time I do it. Every other day I'm boosting a post that it has nothing to do with, with sales. You know, mm-hmm. I, the other day I boosted a post about two guys who, who were promoted. I boasted, boosted a post. I apologize. I hope you can't hear that. <laughs> Sounds like sounds like the cops are coming for you, man. I gotta go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, I'm boosting these posts that are going to lead to, uh, you know, my my sales post, and, and you know, it's just like a post about some kids who are who are doing well. I mean, they were just completely had nothing to do with sales. And mm-hmm. I, my whole point in doing it is just so that when people when and I'm boosting it to the exact same audience that I intend to do my uh, sale to, so mm-hmm. now they will have seen me, you know, because. I think that's the other thing people forget about marketing is that it's really more about just letting people know you exist and keeping in their eye. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if, 
I, you know, if everybody bought an ad the first time they saw it, you probably wouldn't be able to handle it anyway. Um, so, and then, you know, the, this same audience is going to see, you know, the couple days before Halloween, they're going to see my, my sales ad come out. And now they've seen, they've already built trust with me. They already say, oh, hey, this is the one who has all those things with those kids and those, those, those guys who are in their 40s. And, and, and you know, mm-hmm. I really trust them. They, they seem like a nice place. Let, let's take Johnny over there, you know, and, and that's how it happens. And believe it or not, even with these posts that I boosted that had nothing to do with sales, I've set three appointments just on those. It, yeah. You know, it, I mean, because people saw those and it, it wasn't trying to sell anything. They're like, oh, this guy cares about his students. And gosh, it's so easy. But the other, you know, it, it not only you're talking about the, the, we're talking about the mechanics of advertising on Facebook being easy, but there's another nugget in there that a lot of you probably missed. And that's what Bill is talking about here in the message that he's conveying. Because one huge mistake in my current email series, if you're not signed up for the uh, email newsletter, go to martialartsbusinessdaily.com, sign up for my email newsletter, and you get some free downloads there. But the current. Um, email uh, series that I have right now is on marketing mistakes and what makes you know what makes marketing fail. And one of the big mistakes I see people making a huge mistake is they don't have a consistent marketing message. It's like you know one you know one ad they're advertising you know their school and presenting their school in one way you know presenting it you know as a self defense school. Another ad they're presenting as a kids school. Another ad they're presenting this. Another ad they're presenting. They're trying to be all things to all people and you just can't. They don't stick with a consistent message. Now you can advertise to different markets and still maintain a consistent message. In other words, maintain a consistent um, face, I guess you could say, for your school, a consistent personality. But these people, man, their schools and the way they market their businesses is just like freaking civil. They're, they have multiple personality disorder, and it confuses people, and confused a confused mind never buys. So, yeah, I think I think what you're saying there and, and what you're doing, I think it's, it's really right on point. Yeah, and if you remember, that's something we talked about about my own school a year ago, was I had that inconsistent message. I remember you specifically saying, Bill, what are you really trying to sell here? You know, do you want just adults? What, what are you looking for? And, you know, because when I made an adult thing, it would look like 100% different. Now, every single thing I put out or like to put out, unless I purchase it from other people, um, it, you know, it's generally happy, smiling, friendly atmosphere. You, you know, I mean, most of my adults are... are I, I actually stray away from the quote MMA types. You know, you know, I mm-hmm. I had a guy write me. He he said, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a 20 year old wrestler. I, I, you know, I just want to I want to get in the cage, and I, I recommended him to someone else. You, you know, I mean, like I don't yeah, nice. You know, I don't want that. You know, and I I was very polite about it. I said, hey, you know, I I'd, I'd be happy to help you, but it's just not kind of what we do here. I don't think that I can meet your needs, which yeah, comes back know. to another thing that I feel that I do better than my competitors is when I say. That I'm going to meet what when I say what I'm going to do, I do it. You, you know, if yeah. if I say your child's going to learn discipline here, they're going to learn discipline here. You, you know, and and there's measurable ways to do that. You know, and yeah, you know, that's another thing you always talk about. It is is you know fulfill your promises. Promise fulfillment. Yes, that is the back end of customer service. It's like the front end of customer service is creating expectations, and the back end of customer service is promise fulfillment. Like anything, and I preach this a lot. It's in it's in the videos that the courses on mabusy.com and stuff. But you know, because it it is so important, so many people miss it. But man, if you don't think about promise fulfillment, if like you're just out there just just advertising that you do this and you do that and so forth, and you don't have once again, here comes this word processes on the back end to make sure that you're fulfilling those promises you made on the front end. It doesn't matter. I don't care what your martial arts credentials are. You're just another McDojo because you are just in it for the money. You're just in it to get people on the front end. Yeah, it, you can't you can't be that way. Even if that's how you are, no. you can't you can't 
one, I, if that's how you are, I don't see you surviving in this business. But you know, it, yeah. you can't appear that way anyway. No, and you know, your reputation will be ruined. And, yeah. and all you have to do is just, man, go on Google and <laughs> like just start, to, or actually go on Yelp. Yelp's the best place because you know, you know, they filter out all the good reviews anyway, right? Right. So. So you go on Yelp and you start Googling martial arts schools in your area and just start looking down the results, man. And you'll see, like, you know, school after school after school that has a bunch of negative reviews because of their – usually because of their business practices, which is crazy. You'll find those on Google too, but not as much because people review more on Yelp than on Google. But, yeah, I mean, you see it all the time. And, you know, I can't tell you how many martial arts schools also – and this is something funny too. I've seen martial arts schools that develop those – you know, like a negative review profile online, and they'll have just, like, horrible reviews, man, just terrible everywhere. And then six months later, it'll be all cleaned up. So you know somewhere, somehow, somebody's paying someone to remove all those negative reviews and to post positive reviews. It's it's pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, it all has to do with promise fulfillment, man. If you're if once your you know once your reputation is screwed, it's really hard to get it back. It, it's probably going to be really expensive. And then the thing is, you know, you know, why do you why do you even want to go that way in the first place? Just fulfill your promises to people. You know, just just have integrity in the first place. Yeah, I mean, if you don't if you're not out to create discipline, don't don't say you are. I mean, it's that's, that's, <laughs> that's, you're going to be happier funny. in the long run anyway. If you want to, if you want a bunch <laughs> of guys who just want to fight, then say that. I mean, yeah. You'll get it. You'll get what you want. Yeah, you will. You will get what you want. You'll be poor forever. Yeah, that's so. true. But you're still okay. So I want to back up a little bit because you were talking about tuition and undercharging and so forth. Yeah. You know, because you were kind of resisting the idea of raising your tuition rate. So just uh, tell me, just point blank, and tell everyone out there point blank, what changed your mind? Um. Well, you know, just doing it. You know, at some point, I said, you know, I'm going to be perpetually poor and never get what I want if I keep charging these rates. You do the math. You can see that, you know, unless you get like 500 students, in which case you are working your ass off for a medi- mediocre income. Yep. Uh, you, you know, I'm sorry, I just dropped the A bomb there, but um, uh, yeah, it's okay. This is an adult podcast. Okay, okay. Um, you know, you're working really hard and getting nothing out of it. You have to have the right rates. And then the other thing is, once I started using those rates, people still paid it. No one even batted an eye. Yeah. You, you know, like. You, I felt more uncomfortable saying it than they did hearing it. it yeah, and then uh, after a while, after you after you start collecting a couple of checks, and you're like, wait, people are actually willing to pay me what I'm worth? Wow. Then you start getting happy about asking, asking for the check. Yeah, and, and you know you're right. I mean, you can do – you just do tests. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, my recommendation, keep raising it. You know, every so so many students or every so often, you create a time schedule. Be smart about it. Don't just haphazardly do it. But keep raising it until people stop paying it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Until you hear that it's too much so many times in a row, then mm-hmm. and I did that. You know, at one point I had my twelve month rate up at one forty nine and mm-hmm. uh what I was finding is people simply weren't joining at that price. And and so mm-hmm. first thing I did was you know, say, Okay, well, you know, is it my school, is it my facilities? You know, and I I did some evaluation that way, fixed a couple little things, you know, just to make myself look a little more professional. It still seemed like it was too much, and I thought, well, you know what, that is higher than, way higher than anybody else in my area. Let's drop mm-hmm. it down a little bit and see what happens. And, and now I think I'm at a perfect level for what I need. Yeah, and you tested price elasticity. If, if you go back several podcast episodes ago when I had Dusty Everson on, you know, Dusty has a school that's, you know, what he I think he runs about 300, 350 students year round. Yeah. But his school grosses an extremely high level of, of money, extremely high level of profit, um, gross profit per student. Something like 
with 300 students, he's at something like three-quarters of a million dollars a year gross in his school. And the way that he does it is, is he's constantly testing price elasticity. I mean, he, he doesn't let a year go by where he doesn't increase his rates or test new rates or something like that to see if he's at the right level for his community. Yeah. And the thing is, some people will look at that and they'll say, gosh, you know, if I'm constantly raising my rates, you know, aren't I just being greedy? I'm like, no, man, you're not being greedy. What you're doing is, is you're charging what the market is willing to pay. If the market is not willing to pay it, if they can't afford to pay it, they will not pay it when you increase your price. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. But see, what what is really and, – and this is what I think really lacks integrity – and it lacks integrity toward the instructor himself or herself, not toward the community. And you're actually letting people get over on you and actually take advantage of you when you don't test higher prices. Because what you're doing is is you're allowing other people to take advantage of you. Because I can tell you one thing is for certain. If people value what you're offering, they're going to pay what it's worth. The second thing is if you're not charging what you're worth, I can guarantee you that person is not taking that extra 50 bucks every month that they would have been spending on jujitsu or karate lessons and going out and giving it to their favorite charity. I can guarantee you they're not doing it. You know what they're doing with that money? They're going out and they're buying six packs and freaking you know, pumpkin spice mocha latte drinks down at the Starbucks. You know, they're wasting that freaking money. You know, why should that money not go to you? Why should you not be getting paid that money when you're offering a service and you're worth it? So, you know, I think instructors just need to get over feeling guilty for testing higher prices and charging what they're worth. Yeah, and about that interview, Dusty also said something I thought was very prolific. Was he said that uh, if you want to teach someone martial arts, you can make, you can expect to make about a hundred bucks a month. He said, but if if you can if you can offer character building and you can offer and, and you know obviously like we said before you have to fulfill on these promises. If you you can offer a lot more than martial arts, uh, you know you can. The sky's really the limit. You know, I, I forget yeah. what he said he was charging, but it was something like two hundred and fifty dollars a month or something. Yeah, you know? he's, and he's in a different up. area, but I mean, yeah. still, he's in an affluent community in New Jersey. But but like you said, still, you know, there is there's a price ceiling for every community, and if you haven't hit it yet, you need to start testing your prices. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. You know, if you're not there yet, start price testing. You know, start you know go back and listen to that because Dusty really he was pretty detailed about how he he tests pricing. So it's worth going back and yeah, listening. Yeah, if anybody to hasn't it. listened to that, listen to it. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, okay, so you know, looking back, I know that you moved into a new school recently, and as I recall, your first school was kind of small. How many square feet? Uh, Nine hundred and eighty-seven total square feet. Ooh, under a thousand, man. Yeah, that's a, that's an SD. <laughs> it's, it's a big proposition. I had, had six hundred square feet of mat total. Hey, that's not bad though, man. You know, I, I tell you, I've had schools that were that size, and I actually like that kind of size of school myself. You know, it's you not know, the it's, size that killed me. It was just the the way the layout of the facility. Like, you, you know, the, the parents sat on one side, the restrooms were on the other, so they had to walk across my mats to get on the restroom. Yeah. You know, that was the main thing. If it was all, if, if I could have situated it so everything the mats were on one end and the, everything else was on the other, I probably yeah. would have considered staying. Yeah, but moving moving plumbing is expensive. Yeah. So so you just moved into a new place, and what's interesting is is this place it was actually competitor school that went under, right? Yeah, it was like an MMA school. It was, yeah. He he's technically still in business, but I, you know I use that word technically with quotations. Um, yeah. He 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 was moved out. Um, we'll say it that way. Uh, for for whatever reasons, he couldn't make his payments, um, and I moved in and. The first thing I did was I said I, I talked to the landlord. I said, okay, well, you know, it was dark. The colors in there, were, I mean, they were all these deep, deep, deep reds. There was a 
really dingy looking carpet in there. You know, there was writing on the walls. So I said, okay, let's get new floors in here. Let's. So I, I negotiated with the landlord for that. Um, you know, and then I brought you know very professional mats. I bought Dollamer mats, which are very expensive mats. I know, nice. but but they're worth it. If anybody goes to my Facebook page, you're welcome to do so. And 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 you know, you look at the pictures of my school, you're going to say, wow, that's that's a nice looking school. It is nice but, looking uh, school. But you know, I mean. That was that was a huge key as well to my growth. I believe is even though people aren't technically buying the school, let let's be honest about how how Americans think. You know, they <laughs> if things are pretty, they're more likely to buy. You know, so. yeah, and they'll pay more for it. Yeah, exactly. So so I raised my prices when I came over here, and, and uh, I mean ultimately that's really all that changed. Though I continued to make my processes better and 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 just kept doing what I was doing. And have kept growing. You know, I, my rate, my rent doubled, which I didn't like, but I was only paying seven fifty a month for a thousand square feet essentially, and now I'm paying eighteen hundred for for three. So still not bad. No, three for three thousand square feet. That's pretty good. I was going to ask you how many square feet you had right now. So yeah. three thousand. So three thousand yeah. on the nose. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. uh, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of my layout um, as far as how the it's a long skinny building, mm-hmm. but uh, you know it's doing the job right now. It, if I decide to stay in this location, which mm-hmm. I'm still up in the air about, you know, whether I should do because I'm not a fan of my landlord. I mean, think about it. He's the mm-hmm. guy who let my competitor walk right in next to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, you know, little tip to people, make sure you have a non-compete clause. In, in your, did you get one in the new lease? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah smart. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's still he he's not the best landlord in the world. But, yeah, I may be willing to, to just deal with that. If he lets me make some of the changes I want in the future, I want to move my the location of the desk and stuff so that I can expand the size of the mats and, and some things like that. If I can do that kind of stuff and, and he he goes for it, then then I may end up staying in this location. But but yeah. uh, you know to answer your question, you you know I, I think the MMA school probably was doing things the wrong way, and matter of fact, I know they were, and, and we're doing things the right way. You know, we're honest with people. Yeah. Uh, the, the school that was there before, you know, I had made an appointment with a guy, and he never, he just never showed up. Um, you wow. know, so I called, and I never really got a response. And so, the, so you know, I don't think anything of it. I think, well, it's a no-show on an appointment. You know, it happens. And, uh, you know, about a month after that, somebody walks into my school about middle of the day, and he, he's like, hey, I made this huge mistake. And, and our area is kind of weird to get around in. So I'm thinking it's some guy mm-hmm. looking for directions. He's like... I enrolled my kid next door, <laughs> so I immediately start laughing. I can't help it, you know. And I'm like, "Oh, well, that's that's okay." Well, you know, what's going on? And he's like, "Well, I walked in, and the guy told you know." I said, "Is this the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu place?" And the uh, guy said, uh, just kind of nodded his head and kind of just accepted that that what I was saying was true. And I was like, "Well, he, you know," I said, "You know, we are a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu school, you know." And, and we went on. Long story short, now he and his son both train with me. But, yeah. uh, you know, it just it goes back to that integrity thing we were talking about. You know, if someone comes in and asks me if I do kickboxing, I say no. You know, if someone, yeah, you know, I, I offer, I tell them what we do, but, you know, I, I don't just say no and let them walk out the door. But, you know, if they're looking for something specific, then I guide them to where that is. And yeah, I've had many like- times that people did that. I, actually, now that the guy, the MMA guy moved out, I've had twice that an adult came in during our adult classes. And, you know, our classes are packed. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, you know, saw saw our classes and was like, "Hey, I'm looking for so and so who runs the MMA school." And I said, "Oh, you know, they moved. They're they're 
I, and I, I've looked it up for him. I think they're like five miles down the street or something. And he goes, mm-hmm. and then both of them have gone, oh, well, what's this place? <laughs> and I'll tell them. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, you have a nice place. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you know, and, and I've gotten two appointments from that, you know, just from yeah. from just being honest and, you know, giving them directions to where they wanted to go. And finally, they're like, you know what? I'm here. Why don't I just see what this is about? You know? Yeah, it's like the my second location of the guy that moved in like two blocks down the street from me. And when people go would go looking for my school, they would a lot of them would come driving from that direction. They'd see his sign first, so they would immediately assume that was the school, and they'd stop there. One time, one of my clients referred her next door neighbor, and she just raved about my my programs and stuff, and said, "You got to go to Massey. You got to go to Massey. You got to take your kid to Massey." Okay, we're ready. We're going tonight. Calls me up, sets the appointment. She ends up actually going to the school down the street, and she's like, "Is this Mr. Massey's school? Is this Massey's martial arts or Massey's Karate Academy?" And the guy's like, "Yep, this is it." Signed her right up. And then her neighbor went and told her, she said, you know, I signed up. And she's like, get Massey's. And, and <laughs> this lady's like, we didn't see you there. We were there last night. We didn't see you. Where you been? And she's like, well, you know what, that's school, you know. And then she told her, and yeah, mom, man, this, this parent was hot. Of course, I was hot, too. You know, but this is the same guy that went to, like, a, a weekend seminar on how to teach kids jiu-jitsu. And then, like, the week after, he posted pictures of himself in his jiu-jitsu uniform with his taekwondo belt, his taekwondo black belt on his website. Yeah, that goes, that goes <laughs> over real well with jiu-jitsu guys, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, he, you know. He, I, I'm so not he, one to go into other people's schools and, and do that, but I... A lot of people are. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so. my point. <laughs> There's a lot yeah, of people that yeah. are. There's a lot of people that are. So, but anyway, you know, yeah, I've dealt with that before. But you know, the thing is, is that still, even after that, when people would come in my school looking for his place, I would tell them where to go. I would send them right down the street to his place. And uh, you know, I ended up finally calling him and telling him, "Hey, look, man, you know, this is what happened. You know, with one of my students. You know, that was or an appointment I set. You know, they went in your school, and uh, you told them you were me. And I would appreciate it if you didn't do that anymore. Just, you know, I've sent you business. Just do me the common courtesy if somebody's looking for me to send them my way, and I'll do the same for you." And he was like, "Okay, yeah, no problem. You know, but I don't know. Probably still went on. But you know, the thing is, always take the high road in your business. You're better off. You develop a better reputation in the long run, and, and people appreciate it. So." You know, I think you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially with so. I mean, even if you wanted to be slimy, social media is so People fast don't. these days, and and you're just yeah. going to get destroyed. You, yeah. If you, I mean, before it it, you, it would take months for you to develop a bad bad reputation. Now it's minutes. I mean, think about movies. Yeah. A bad movie comes out, everybody knows it within minutes, and then nobody goes and sees it. People, yeah. People know it before the movie comes out. Actually. Yeah. Crazy. So uh, yeah, that's you got more directed DVD videos going out now, movies going out now than ever, I think. So, well, let's. Uh, we're coming up on time. I want to get to a couple more questions. The first thing is, you know, future, plan, future plans for your school. You know, like, uh, you know, are you looking to get much bigger? I mean, where are you kind of looking for your school to stay at? Yeah, I mean, What's my your, I mean, my goal is uh, 150 by the end of the the uh, uh, was by the end of the year. I'm going to definitely hit that. I'll probably be closer to to 160, 170 by that time, and then 200. Uh, at some point next year. Um, and, and then I want to reevaluate at that point. I want to see, you know, because of the mistakes we've talked about already, you know, that I made in the past, you know, that'll probably, that should put me right about where I need to be financially. Um, and then what I want to do from there, I do want to create opportunities for some of the guys who train with me that I know want to Smart. open up their own schools. Um, and, and I figure if I, if I help to create those opportunities rather than just, you know, having them leave and, you know, maybe taking people with them, 
mm-hmm. that that'll serve me better. So yes, it does. Um, you know, and, and if I if I I feel if I if my hand is involved with it, I can make sure that it's not going to hurt the main location. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I'm working on. I actually just talked to a guy earlier about that. You know, I know he's interested in, and he and he lives like. 30 miles away. That's how far he travels. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. it's not a problem for me to help him out. Uh, sure. But, you know, I need to be where I, where I want to be financially and make sure 100% sure that my, my systems are all solvent and, and that, the, you know, they, they're maintainable before I try to, you know, pawn them off on somebody else. Um, yeah. You know, because I, I I wouldn't want to open up a new school and find out well, hey, you know what? It's Bill's passion that's that that's bringing everybody's in because I can't translate that to somebody else. Yeah, you know that and, helps, you know, but you know it has to be more than that. Yeah, and the thing is, if you ever read the E Myth, you know the difference between a personality driven business and a systems driven business. But you know, really the nature of our business when you're running a small martial arts school and you're the head instructor is that it is a personality driven business. You know, so. You know, people ask me, you know, everybody knows that I sold my last school or my last couple of schools actually because of ongoing health issues. And people always ask me, you, you know, you going to open up another school again? And, and uh, you know, somebody who's a, a very well-known, uh, very prominent martial artist said, you know, um, why don't you just open up a school and hire other instructors to teach for you? And I told him flat out, I was like, because I don't want to be a school manager. I want to be an instructor, you know. And if I can't be an instructor, you know, I'm just not going to do it. I want to teach. I'd rather just teach part-time. You know, then then run a full time school and have to have other people in there teaching for me. You know, it's yeah. just I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy. And not that I not that there's anything wrong with that, but it doesn't suit my personality nor my personal goals. No, it you know me either. I'm I'm actually more likely because I do want to hire another person. Um, I've, I that's another thing this has allowed me to do. Yes, about lifestyle. I, now I'm able to pay my friends. You know, my goal is to be, become cool. successful and and bring my friends with me, right? So yeah. they're not making a lot right now, but I mean they're getting paid to teach jujitsu. You know, something they love. They would do, they would be doing it for <laughs> yeah. free anyway. You know, like yeah. And uh, you know they appreciate that. They appreciate being appreciated. And, and yeah. you know, so my next goal actually would be to hire somebody. And the next person I want to hire, I'm actually more likely to hire someone that I can just teach all the marketing methods to and all that, and have them just bring people in the school so that I can just teach. You, yeah, you know, I'd I'd rather just be head instructor, have somebody else handling a lot of the the front end stuff. Obviously, there's certain mm-hmm. things they can't do, you know, or I wouldn't want them to do, you know, the, the financials, mm-hmm. things like that. But but uh, you, you know, they can handle eighty percent of the front end stuff, and, and mm-hmm. then I can just teach. I can teach and be an owner, and you know, have fun, just have fun teaching jujitsu. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. I, I I see that as my next goal. Uh, as far as yeah. who I'm going to hire. And that's another nice thing. I mean, being able to give back and hire someone, and that's a big deal. You know, people don't understand what that means. I'll tell you, the best thing you can do for that position, and there's another free nugget for everybody out there, is to find a mom who has decided, who used to be a sales professional, that has decided to stay at home with her kids and hire her part-time on straight commission to work for your school, let her make her own schedule and hire her as a contract employee since she's making her own schedule. And that's let me like just the, write that down. Yeah, that's like the best thing you can do. Somebody who loves your school, believes in your programs, and that wants to make a decent amount of money working their own schedule. I mean, that is like the best thing you can do. And you'll find some like killer, killer, killer um, people that can, that can work for you, that can fulfill that position for you. And that's like, the, honestly, that is the best thing you can do. I think that's smart that that's the next person you're going to hire too, so... Yeah, I I just enjoy it. You know, it, it's been I, my life is definitely happier because I I did this. So yeah, that's it. Isn't that what it's all about, man? It's really about. I mean, at least for the people that that 
you know, follow the small digit big profits approach is really about lifestyle, you know, in, in having a, a better quality of life and be able to do what you love for a living. So, yeah, well, you know, it's, yeah. it's funny and I, I know you're coming up on time here. We're probably over time, but, uh, you, That's right. you, you know, there's tons of of you know, the more I got into this, the more business professionals you're going to find, coaches, all that. There's tons of them. Mm-hmm. But There's so many. My my buddy and I, I have another friend who who is a uh, professional martial arts school owner, and uh, he and I were were on this this uh, uh, webinar with, with with one of the big names out there, and and. The guy's talking about, hey, you know, I've coached so and so who now he just spends most of his time at the golf course, and I coach this guy who just, you know, spends time driving cars. And, you know, we were like, we're texting back and forth, me and my buddy, and we're like, I like being in my school. (laughs) Yeah. Why would I? I mean, financial stability is nice, but I mean, why would I want. You know, I, I guess it's the difference between a business, you know, a, a, an entrepreneur and 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 a uh, you know just a business owner. You know, I I yeah. probably wouldn't sell my school unless I had to. You know, yeah. whereas I think an entrepreneur opens things just just to sell them. You know, but yeah, but uh, you know, and, you know, Bill, it, it's funny you bring that up because I I won't knock any of the other guys that are out there teaching because the way I see it is is there is a business coach for every business owner and. I'm not the right guy for everybody, and I know that. And that's why I tell people, I'm like, look, man, if you want to have a small, profitable school, 150 to 200 students, and you know, most of the time be teaching most of your classes and still be able to have a handle on things and still be able to, be able to have a life outside your school, I'm your guy. If you want to have a hands-off school with like you know 500 to 1,000 students, and you know, like you said, spend all your time at the golf course or at the track or what? Yeah, I'm not your guy, man. You know, number one, I've never done it. Can't give you something I don't already have. But also, I don't want to teach anybody how to do that. And and I'll tell you why. It's a conversation I was just having with another buddy of mine that's a local kung fu school owner, and my my son went to his classes for a while. He's got a school here in Austin, and uh, and the thing is, is that you know, he and I were talking. And we were talking about this exact topic, and I said, you know, the problem is when you run a school that is so big that you have to hire a bunch of other instructors to go in and teach for you, it becomes increasingly more difficult to maintain program consistency and quality control in that school. And after a while, if you're not spending a lot of time in the school and you don't have your finger on the pulse of things, eventually program quality and consistency is going to go out the window. You have no quality control. Yeah, unless you're just a whiz at hiring. I mean, you've got to be – And I, I don't know. I, but the it thing would is, be instructors, tough. instructors come and go. And yeah. if somebody leaves, you know, and, and they'll leave, you know, you have a great instructor that's doing everything you want them to. You've invested all your time in them, and they come and go. They get new jobs. They get married. They decide to open their own schools, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you've got to fill that position, you know, and, and sometimes you're left, you know, because you have an organization, and you're left scrambling to find somebody to fill that position. And guess what? You know, you make the the, the 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 best of two bad choices and put somebody in that position that's really not qualified, hoping that you can bring them along and get them back to where you know to where the other person was. You get them to that level, and sometimes it just never happens. I've seen it time and time again. So, yeah, man, I you know personally, um, just this is just me. This is just my personal opinion uh, based on experience and observation. But yeah, I think you know I think running a school, 150 maybe 250 students tops, you know, as a as a, a you know a single owner operator with a small staff. I think that's the way to go if you want to keep program quality high. If you want to be teaching, you know, at least half your classes and have your finger on the pulse and and if you want to have FaceTime with every single student in your school every single week, that's the way to go. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, so well, I'm I'm glad you're getting there, man. I'm glad you're you know you're 150 students. You're on your way, and I think this time next year we're going to have you back on the podcast and talk about you know where your school's at in 12 months. So you know, and I'm 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 going to be uh, you know looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I. I uh I would like to think and, and uh, you know, have the processes in place. I believe that I'll be over 200 students at that point. Oh, yeah, definitely. So. I mean, I don't, I don't see any reason why not. You know, another, you know, between, you know, spring and fall and, you know, whatever you do this summer, yeah, I, I think there's no doubt you're going to be there. Well, let me uh, ask you this because we are over time and, and uh, you know, I, these long podcasts, some people like them, some people hate them. So um, if somebody wants to find you online, what's the best place for them to find you and connect with you online? Uh, you know, I'm on Facebook. Uh, you know, just type in Bill Jones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or top level, yeah, martial, top level arts. martial arts might work better because <laughs> Bill yeah. Jones, I'm sure there's a lot of us. Or my, my email address is bill at toplevelmartialarts.com. You know, okay. feel free to, to contact me or anything, you know, I, I'll be happy to help out with anything, but just keep in mind, I am not a professional consultant. I have not done all the researches that yeah, everybody, I'm only going to be able to give you my own opinion on things. So yeah. feel free to send Bill some uh, Viagra offers and things like that. Yeah. School, school email address. <laughs> I, I, I already get all of them. Yeah, anybody who oh my gosh. Business knows what that's like. That's why I use Gmail, man. You know, I just use it simply for the spam filter, but, yeah. um, Okay, so uh, let's see. Um, is your Facebook address, your Facebook page, is it uh, you know Facebook dot com slash Top Level Martial Arts? Straight um, up, I believe so. Okay, well I'll I'll link it in the show notes yeah, on the website. So you know if if you're if you're listening to this and you're listening to it you know on iTunes or on Stitcher or someplace else, uh, just go to martialartsbusinessdaily.com dot com forward slash podcast. Look for the most recent podcast of Bill Jones, and uh, I'll have it linked in there in the show notes. So Bill, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I was looking forward to really been looking forward to doing this podcast interview with you because I always love it when I see somebody who starts off and they come to me and they're like, man, you know I I you know I have this dream. This is what I want to do, and then. And I get to see them go through the entire process of finally reaching that point to where they're realizing their dream. It's that's you know it's really rewarding for me. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun ride. I you know I enjoy it and I appreciate everything you've done for me. Excellent, man. Well, you are very very welcome. And uh, everybody out there in the martial arts business nation and the small digital big profits tribe, uh, make sure you stick around because I know I gave you a couple of tips in the interview, but we are going to have a tip of the week this week, and that's coming up next. So stay tuned. The Tip of the Week. It's time for our featured martial arts business tip of the week. For more great tips, be sure to visit martialartsbusinessdaily.com to subscribe to our newsletter. And while you're there, click on the Business Resources tab for links to all Mike's martial arts business books and courses. Now, here's your martial arts business tip of the week. Okay, the tip of the week this week obviously is brought to you by me, yours truly, Mike Massey, at smalltouchofbigprofits.com. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about ads, and let's talk about why ads don't work. Now, as I mentioned in the interview with Bill, if you're not on the newsletter list, I highly recommend that you go to martialartsbusinessdaily.com right now and get in the newsletter list. And here's why: I have set a goal for myself to write a um, complete article to my newsletter subscribers. Every day 
five days a week for the next year. That is the goal I've set for myself and I have been doing that consistently and I've been getting some really good feedback on the material, the information that I'm putting out in the newsletter every day. So if you're not on the newsletter list, you're missing out on a lot of good free business information every single day that's coming to people's inboxes. Um, absolutely free. So I recommend you get on it. Now, our email uh, message uh, series for the uh, the current week is actually about ads and why martial arts marketing ads fail. So I'm going to tell you one reason. I'm going to go into it a little bit more deeply than I did in the interview. And uh, one of those reasons is because people lack a consistent marketing message. Now, this is something I work with with my coaching, coaching clients uh, very closely on when we're in that first stage of the coaching process, which is generally marketing. Because when I first coach somebody, I want to help them build revenue so they can grow their business. You have to have revenue to grow a business and marketing and sales is the way to do it. So step one is marketing that I work with almost everybody on. And we work very uh, carefully and uh, very diligently on creating a consistent marketing message for each business. Now, as I said in the interview, the reason why we do that is because when you um, have this kind of Jekyll and Hyde or this kind of Sybil personality to your business where you have what I call multiple marketing personality disorder for your business, um, where you're trying to be everything to everyone and your business message is changing from, from ad to ad to ad from campaign to campaign to campaign and you're not staying consistent. It confuses your local audience. They never really connect with you on a personal level through your ads and marketing. They never gain any trust, which is something Bill talked about uh, specifically in the interview. And uh, it's going to hurt your ability to convert people that see your ads to customers. It's going to be hard to convert those people to paying customers because they're simply not going to trust you. You're not going to come across as being trustworthy. So how do we develop a consistent marketing message for our business? Well, a couple of simple things you need to do. The first thing is, is you need to decide what type of business um, you want to have. Okay, and I, I talk about this in Small Digit Big Profits. I talk about it in some other books. I talk about it in my coaching program at mabusy.com, the online coaching program. But really, you have to decide what type of school you want to have. You have to have a vision for your school. If you don't have a vision, you're not going to know which direction you want to go in, and you're not going to go which, know which kind of client you want to attract, and so on and so forth. The second thing is you need to do some market research. You need to find out who um, the people are in your local area who can actually purchase your uh, services. So the thing is some people go after a market and they don't ever realize, um, you know, they fail going after that market because they don't ever realize that they don't really have a strong market um, like that that fits that demographic in their local area. So make sure that you have the, the right demographic in your local area that you're going after the right market. The third thing you need to do is you need to understand that market in depth. And this is where some marketing knowledge comes in. One of the things that you need to do is you need to look at that market and you need to create a profile of your ideal client in that market. And when you create that profile, you're going to create a person, an imaginary person that is your ideal client that fits every demographic that you're going after in your local market. You're going to give this person a name. You're going to give them a gender. You're going to give them an occupation, an age. You're going to talk about, you know, and basically write down a story about how many kids they have and where they live and how they go about their daily business and so forth, because you want to have an intimate and very detailed um, idea, concept in your head of what your ideal client looks like, acts like, talks like, thinks like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, before you start marketing to them. And then the last thing you want to do is, is you want to create a story for your marketing that is consistent with your values and also with what you teach in your school. Because if you make it up and then later on, you know, you get people in on that great story and then they come in and you can't deliver on those promises, you can't fulfill those promises, you're going to be screwed because people are going to be hacked at you. So you want to make sure that you create 
a story for your school. And this is not a make-believe story. It's a real story, a story that your marketing tells, a, a unified marketing message, if you will, that it is a central theme in every piece of marketing you put out that is consistent across every single marketing message, every single marketing channel that you use for your school. So what would be an example of this? Well, an example might be in my first school where I decided that I was going to be the local martial arts school for children and that I was going to be the character building martial arts school. So as you can imagine, every single ad that I put out had to stay consistent with that message. And it was very difficult sometimes because what I found is when I tried to market to adults for traditional martial arts, that sometimes people wouldn't take me seriously, even though we had a very good adult martial arts program. People saw us as the kids' school. This is uh, something you need to take to heart because when you choose what your school is going to be, um, make sure that it's something that suits your personality and that suits your personal goals and so forth for teaching. Personally, I didn't mind teaching a lot of kids and then, you know, having a small adult program that I could do whatever the heck I wanted to with. You know, I could beat on those guys as much as I wanted to and have as much fun as I wanted to with them. We could do crazy stuff, you know, go fight in the parking lot and everything because my adult students didn't care. They were there for different reasons than perhaps the, the uh, parents brought their children to me for. So, um, you know, I didn't mind that so much, you know, and, and besides I like teaching kids, it was fun. But for other people, they, that may not be the thing. So you need to decide, you know, what your goal is for your school, you know, what your local demographic is, how you're going to reach that demographic and then create a consistent marketing message that is once again consistent, consistent, consistent across every single marketing piece, every single marketing channel that you use for your school and stick to it. Do not stray from that marketing message. Once you know you have the right demographic, the right audience that you're going after, you know exactly how to reach them. You've created a persona for your ideal customer and uh, you have settled on that marketing message. Don't stray from it. And once it's serving you well, don't deviate. You know, Later on, you can do other stuff. You can use that same marketing message and angle it differently to different audiences as long as you're staying consistent with the theme. For example, if my theme was uh, helping uh, children build character and uh, you know, character building, uh, you know, uh, children's martial arts programs, then I had to make sure that when I marketed to adults that I was still consistent with that character building theme. You know, the other thing is I had to be consistent in my personal life. You know, I couldn't be out on social media or out in the public and so forth, you know, doing things that, uh, that was, that were inconsistent with that marketing message that, uh, that I was putting out there for my school. So that's another important thing. All right. So, you know, that's that's how you create uh, that uh, consistent marketing message for your school. Remember, inconsistency in your marketing is going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your ability to get new customers. It's going to hurt your reputation in your uh, in your community. It's going to hurt your ability to convert people who see your ads and, and your marketing into paying customers. So work on consistency in your marketing message. And if you want to find out more about this and, and other things that could cause your marketing to fail, make sure you go to martialartsbusinessdaily.com, sign up for our email newsletter list. Uh, you'll just see a button. There's like a red or a yellow button up in the upper right-hand corner of the website when you land on the website. Just click on that button. It's to give away some free stuff. You'll get some free downloads when you sign up. And then you'll be signed up for my daily newsletter, okay? Be aware that you're going to be getting probably two emails a day for the first um, several months that you're on my email newsletter list because you're going to get the automated emails and you're going to get the, the daily emails that I write. Okay. So just be aware of that. And if you don't want that much email every day, 
then uh, you can just decide which ones you want to delete or whatever, okay? But it's all good information. It's all free information. And it's all designed to help you. So uh, I suggest, you know, that, uh, you know, that if, you know, if you don't want to read it, you know, one day just delete it from your inbox if you don't have time for it or whatever. But, you know, don't get mad at me for sending you a bunch of emails when I'm sending you free stuff, okay? I'm just telling you in advance. All right, so that's it for um, today's podcast episode. I know we went long. This is about a 90-minute podcast, which is much longer than my normal pad- podcast. I hope you don't mind, um, and I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Remember also, if you're interested in getting coaching from me and you want information on my coaching program, just go to martialartsbusinessdaily.com and then look for the link on the navigation bar that says uh, coaching or consulting. I can't remember which one it is. And uh, click on that. And then you can get information on my coaching program. So so uh, there's information on the website there. Uh, and uh, if you have any questions, obviously, uh, you can contact me through the website. Just click the contact link. Um, go to my customer service interface. It's a, it's a separate website that I have for customer service issues. Fill out a customer service ticket. I do that on purpose so people don't send me hundreds of emails a day. Um, but um, um, well, actually, I've never had you know you guys send me hundreds of emails a day. That's a bit of an exaggeration. But I do it so I don't get more emails than I can handle. Let me put it that way. So fill out a customer support ticket, and I will email you back, and we can converse and get on the phone and talk about what you need for your school. All right, that's it. I hope you have an outstanding week. I hope you get out there and uh, take action on some of the stuff you learned in today's interview and podcast. And uh, I uh, also hope that this fall season is treating your school well. Okay, go out there and enroll some students, and I will be talking to you soon in a future podcast episode. You've been listening to the Martial Arts Business Podcast with Mike Massey. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this show, leave us a positive review while you're there. Thanks for your support. And tune in again next time for more great martial arts business tips and advice from martialartsbusinessdaily.com.